Good day and welcome to a truly special edition of the Offside Musings podcast. My name is Oke Ndibe. I'm delighted to welcome you on behalf of my co-host, Emeka Onyagwa. A lot of you have been writing and uh, sending messages wondering if we folded a podcast. No, um, it just happened that I was away in Nigeria uh, for a month-long visit uh, to that natal country of ours. And uh, indeed, my co-host happened to uh, also be in Nigeria, but for a much shorter uh, visit. And so over the next several weeks, we are going to be looking at issues that were generated uh, by our respective experiences uh, during that trip in Nigeria. But today, I felt that we should look at um, something that is not altogether uh, new in Nigeria's experience, but something that struck me with particular um, force uh, during my trip in Nigeria, and that is the senseless, gruesome murder of a young woman, Deborah Yakubu, by Islamic, uh, rabid Islamic fundamentalists in Sokoto, who are accused her of blaspheming uh, their religion. Apparently, Deborah Yakubu had on a WhatsApp list serve proposed that uh, people should not be posting messages of a religious nature. It wasn't an altogether um, insensible position to take. And at any rate, the proper response, even if people considered her post to be wrong, the proper response would have been in conversation uh, to make the case for why it was important to continue to post uh, religious material on the listserv, instead of which her classmates, her schoolmates demanded that she retract her statement, and then they followed up by, as it were, pronouncing a fatwa on this woman. Subsequently, they cornered her, a bunch of them beat her to a pulp, left her dead, and then set her body on fire. It was an event that happened. Um, I think I had three more days to stay in Nigeria. And once I found out, it spoiled the three days that I spent in that country. It was a very chastening, a very depressing reckoning uh, a reminder that the space in Nigeria is still very much steeped in backwardness, in savagery, in so many quarters. And so today we're going to look at the fallout from that dastardly event in Sokoto, how that has tainted uh, the name of this historic town, Sokoto, how that has indeed called to question the sense of humanity 
and of logic and reasoning of some people who presume themselves to be students and defenders of religion and how Nigeria's name has been dragged internationally, globally, through the mud. We're going to look in today's episode at what does it mean when humans who are essentially weak and fragile take it upon themselves to commit homicide in the name of God that they proclaim to be almighty. So I welcome you to today's discussion, to today's podcast. It's not a happy one, as you can see from my tortured demeanor. Um, but these are difficult conversations that we must have and that we need to have if we're going to achieve any sense of humanity in the country called Nigeria. Welcome. That was, um, I mean, love been, um, I mean, no matter what happened, coming back was going to be a serious um, um, opener, one way, shape, or form. But I guess we've decided that um, since that was the, you know, one of the biggest things that happened in Nigeria the last couple of weeks that we should talk about it, um, which is interesting. It made, it made international news. Um, Asians love this. Uh, India media, everybody, um, different conversations. Um, you know, I listened to the voicemail. It was actually a voicemail that she left on a WhatsApp group. Um, I mean, obviously, it's horrific and horrifying and, and all that. Um, it was actually a voicemail where she distant and distant, and she, she talked about it like the WhatsApp group was open for uh, academic work and all that. And at the end of it, she said, um, uh, I think, you know, carry your profits. Or I think she said nonsense prophets, something like that. You know, carry your distance. Holy Ghost fire, but abundance of Arudamu. Dolly, no one's to Abu Bon, they come out of Kutura Muna. But where are you grouping a don't to the Tura Abu Bon, Banza Banifa? And you do pass you in a quietest, in a bad assignment at Tura, but where Abu Bon, Banza, and the Tura Muna, but Monzo, and let him be and Brova. And, you know, which could offend people, you know, um, either way. But yeah. um, that kind of reaction um, is much deeper than just it, 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 it. Some people, I've seen people defending it. I was, I was listening to, um, I was listening to somebody talk about, uh, I've forgotten which, um, I think Dangote's son-in-law mm. um, yeah. was defending it on Twitter. The pilot? Yeah. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that I I take my fate seriously, mm-hmm. um, and I live in a world where um, there are people who mock, you know believers, uh, whether you're a Christian or you're a Muslim or, you know, you belong to any other uh, faith, organized faith, there are people who are very dismissive, Mm -hmm. uh, very, who find it, you know, 
contemptible that you would believe in something that you can't touch, uh, something that you cannot um, make a case for in um, in a kind of logical, mathematical, physical uh, way. Um, so my my inclination would be to encourage uh, respect um, just for people and what they believe and so on. But there is no expression, even of profound disgust at religion or any other view for that matter that would justify the 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 taking of human life okay it's actually you know i gave at my last um reading in lagos at um rubin high's bookstore in lagos as uh, this friend of mine a poet um ogaga ifowodo is a poet and a lawyer and he made a very astute point. Uh, he was the one who drew attention to just a, the absolute um, senselessness of human beings who by nature are fragile, we are not mighty, much less almighty. Uh, we ourselves are susceptible. We have one breath and we're gone. And yet we believe in, uh, both Christians and Muslims, we believe in this deity, the almighty God, who exists beyond and outside of time. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, who, and a God that, in a sense, created the world that we inhabit as very... Uh, if you understand the complexity of the world, you understand the um, absolute uh, weakness and vulnerability of the human. So if somebody were to insult this almighty entity, God, that you believe in, Mm -hmm. and you believe that God can do and undo, God can strike this person dead, God can give this person a stroke. God can blind this person, you know, because this is the part of what the idea of the Almighty evokes. But God, who is the direct recipient of this blasphemy, of this insult, chooses reserve and patience. But you, the foolish, fragile human, decides that on behalf of this almighty entity, you are going to act and you're going to end the life of this quote-unquote blasphemer. Um, it's, it's absurd on so many levels, you know, um, But also we have to underscore that in a secular society and at the end of the day with respect to the people of faith who inhabit Nigeria 
or who call Nigeria their home or country, Nigeria remains a secular society. In a secular society, there should be no punishment, no punishment of any sort for somebody who blasphemes, much less death. That is simply out of the question. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know me, in a long way, it's um, essentially saying uh, there, there are disproportionate rea- reactions to things, and that was beyond a doubt, very disproportionate. Um, if you feel that way, um, there are people who do in this day and age, um, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, there was, there was a time... Um, other religions, some other religions had felt had, had taken those kind of routes before. Um, during this day and age, it it, it doesn't make sense, um, but it also speaks to values. Mm-hmm. Um, it speaks to values. I don't think it's just, in some ways, it's intertwined with, you could say, religion, but in some ways, I think it's more intertwined with values. You see globally in certain places where certain values um, where parents and siblings could execute um, their own sibling. Mm-hmm. For I, I have a an online friend who is um, I believe she's no, I believe she's she's um, um, Pakistani Muslim, and her own father tried to kill her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's now married to a Nigerian in the UK, and that's just one of many people like that. So it 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 takes. It takes form in so many ways where um, I think it's just cultural values that are probably best done away with. Um, and that, I think, is one of them where people go out and um, don't want to cohabit a country with anybody that is, um, can be quoted as a, a blasphemous person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough conversation. You know, I've, I've lived in... I've lived in the northern northern part of Nigeria, Bauchi, Kaduna, um, you know, just um, a little bit. Um, and you'd have um, these pockets of, you can't tell when the, people are so hospitable. They really are very hospitable out there. Um, and I think that's why some of the extreme can be really extreme because people that can be very hospitable can also go to the other side. The problem is the kind of things that will trigger people, like those kind of things where somebody gets angry. And even the lady that died, not that it matters, the lady that was killed, that was murdered, is somebody from Niger State, which some people will classify it out of northern Nigeria. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends on what you, what you, how you want to look at it, um, central or, you know. But it's a it's a sad, um, um, it's a sad occurrence. Um I just, I, you know, just, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the um, another, you, you, I mean, you just raised um, an important issue because it's important that we underscore that ultimately this is a question of enlightenment. This is a question of enlightenment. And in a lot of ways, uh, what we see when groups of fanatics get up and in the name of their deity fall upon 
quote-unquote non-believers or infidels or whatever, um, a lot of it springs from a place of profound ignorance and the kind of destitution, the kind of degradation that has come from uh, the collapse of the Nigerian nation-state. Okay? Uh, in fact, I did um, an interview with a um, uh, venerable broadcaster in Lagos, uh, Sonny Rabo, mm-hmm. and he had in the studio um, Dr. Patrick Ijewere. And uh, Dr. Ijewere was proposing that we have a kind of, um, quote-unquote, martial plan, educational martial mm-hmm. plan for the North, you know, mm-hmm. because he felt that the North over the decades has become a breeding ground for young men and women who receive little or no education and who are abandoned, therefore, to the margins of, of a modern society. And my proposal was that to the extent that we needed an emergency dramatic investment in education, it is not only the North that deserves it, that in fact we need to invest massively in the education and the enlightenment of all Nigerians. Mm. Okay? Um, Again, when we talk about religious violence, it's easy, it's tempting to see it as an Islamic phenomenon. Clearly, um, extremist Muslims have been they uh, have been overrepresented in this form of violence. There's no question. Um, whether you think about Boko Haram or you think about the 1980s and Maitasine in Kanu mm-hmm. and so on, um, and you know so many episodes in Zaria, uh, some in Kaduna and so on. Clearly, Muslims uh, instigate, participate uh, disproportionately in these uh, instances of religious violence. And then uh, Christians predominantly, but also other Muslims who are considered moderate, become victims of these attacks. But it's also instructive, it's also important indeed, to point out that Christians uh, participate in this um, phenomenon of violence. Uh, Some years ago, I wrote about uh, an occurrence in Akwaibom where a woman in the name of Christianity, I think her name is uh, Helen Obabio, began to go around the Niger Delta uh, telling parents that if they had children who were sickly, who had, um, you know, red, reddish, yellowish eyes and who cried a lot, that Satan, the demon, had possessed their children's bodies and that their children had become witches and wizards. And so on account of this, parents abandoned their children to die. Parents used machetes to 
um, to cut up their children. Okay, um, some communities would seize children who were sick, who were crying, and uh, declare them witches and wizards, and basically banish the children, put them in evil in forests, and abandon them to their fates. Um, so, and this woman, this so-called pastor, was doing this for years, unchallenged. Um, and until one NGO run by a man, Sam Itauma, uh, began to draw attention to it. And I think the BBC went and did a documentary on it. And then I wrote about it and, you know, it took on a life of its own. I did some BBC interviews and so on on this. Um, so in the name of Christianity, in the name of Islam, there are lots of people who commit acts of staggering savagery and it's important to point this out and the antidote the antidote is for well-informed christians well-informed muslims to stand up against such acts and to say that children who are sick are sick you know nigeria is a society that is particularly pernicious to children. Children grew up in in excruciating poverty. Uh, They they have little or no uh, medical care. Mm -hmm. And so when children are sick, some of them have a lot of airborne uh, uh, contaminants Mm -hmm. in their bodies. Yeah. You know, so to to declare them to be witches and wizards is a particular, particularly evil form of of callousness. Yeah, well, you know, it's so if you go back in the history of the world, um, even in America or the UK, uh, when really, and that, that this is one problem, um, I I have a religion overall. Um, I I'd say I'm. I'm religious but not a fanatic of any sort but this is the one thing and anybody most people that get at enter fanaticism don't agree they're fanatics anyway so take 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 for it what you may by the way mm-hmm. um so so um I, but i'm far from that anyway way far from that um you know but when you go into the history of the world when you take a look at it most acts have been perpetrated perpetrated in the name of religion whether it was slavery directly uh, by the Portuguese, the Spanish, and the creation of the modern um, of of the British Empire mm-hmm. was perpetrated in the name of religion. Uh, you go on the list is endless to go all the way that down. In the case of Nigeria, you get to the modern roots of it. I I, I think if, and I think um, Mati Falala had has mm-hmm. the I believe Mati Falala has that book religiosity and uh, the rise of relig- religiosity as it mirrors poverty. The same thing happens in this thing when you look at. In America, the, if you look at the KKK or you know the the lynchings and all those kind of things, it, or you know the kind of conversations that people have today, the replacement theory conversations you have with, with people, is largely driven by um, economic inequalities. Um, if when you have more severe economic inequalities, like you did in uh, post-slavery in America, like you did in 1930s in America, where you had the Great Depression. Is where you see the most vile. That's where you saw the burning down of 
um, Tulsa, the Tulsa burning down, the burning down of Black Wall Street. But when you go into Nigeria and you go into the 70s and you start and the paper off the cracks, you have a population that is growing, you have a elites that have embraced their neocolonial status, which the British bestowed on them and which they've taken and they've run with. Um, and then they paper down the poorer people who are falling off the distance. That's where you get the Metinese, uh, Metineses. Metacine. Metacines. You know, you get them um, growing and, 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 and becoming a thing. Uh, you see the way they were put down violently and they were put down violently largely if you go back into it because they were beginning to threaten political power, not by violence. They were beginning, well, I mean, they were very violent, but the reality is that they had a lot of support and sympathies because a lot of people were on the outskirts and saw them as the only people having some kind of genuine interest for the little guy. And you see that explosion of religiosity or what has been, what really is or should be called toxic religion. You know, extreme in in in, in a lot of these things. You see it in Nigeria. You see, um, you know how um, um, religion has become a real toxic thing. Um, not bad in itself. It's just a lot of these people in and around religion have become so toxic, so. It's that they pull their followers. They they use that for to maintain. Uh, they look for ways to maintain their political status, and that's the way it is. A good example, case in point, uh, even if it's in is is Islamic, was like, um, um, what the, um, Sanusi Lamido, mm-hmm. who, from all accounts, when he was um, younger, he was. He was way out there radical, crazy, and a lot of people have attested to that in terms of a lot of people have attested to that. A lot of fantastic write-ups out there have attested to There was an evolution of Sanusi Lamido along the line. He became uh, a little more moderate. He looked like a modern man, talked about all these things, you know, and how people shouldn't be doing. As an example, one thing he spoke about was child marriage. Mm-hmm. But Sanusi Lamido became Emir after his stints in, in banking and CBN governor, and the first thing he did was to marry a child bride after he had talked about it. And in, in, in some ways, in my opinion, it was all, it was a way of, um, you want, if you want to maintain power, there's a, there's a documentary on this thing called on Netflix called, um, how, how the making of a tyrant. I think how to become a tyrant. If you want to become, you want to maintain your political elitism, which in Nigeria is all about um, everything. The, ma- the major industry, um, literally almost the only industry in Nigeria is the government. Mm-hmm. Literally, if you want to maintain that, you want to maintain your, whichever way you're getting money from the government, either as a traditional ruler or in the government. You know, if you want to maintain that, there is a level of um, brutality or depravity. If you want to maintain your financial elite status which essentially is just having access to the government there's a level of of brutality of 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 inhumanity in some in in you know call it call it where you may that you need to do and i think that was sanity lamido's way of being like well and he, he said it well i can afford to have four wives you know it's not for poor people to marry four wives mm-hmm. in a way telling the poor people to still stay in your lane i'm a big guy you know and, you know, for a guy that evolved from being very toxic to uh, seeming moderate and all that, 
and then go and it's 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 there you see it in nigeria you see it with um uh, lrfi who would tell you he's moderate and brings in a female deputy governor when in reality he just brought that in to maintain power uh because you know she's not supposed to be there there's a whole power sharing thing in cardinal maybe one of these days we'll get into it in terms of cardinal south and what has become cardinal south and cardinal north um but you see um people going to and they'll dress it they'll dress up what they're doing and in sometimes in some cases they just outrightly tell you um it is what it is case of abbasin here's another great one you know different women different scandals different and at the end of the day he'll come out and tell you you know god is you know you know so you have all these things and all these places and for the deprived and the economically and financially deprived this happened in the college of education which in nigeria is the lowest level of um, tertiary education if you want to call that call it that or post secondary school or high school depends on where you live it's the lowest level in fact to me in some degrees even lower than a secondary school but that's <laughs> even within nigeria that's a whole other conversation and there's that level of um um depravity whether you like the girl or not you, you go after her in that manner that um she left a voicemail you don't like and yeah okay granted it could be offensive to a lot of people um but to kill some to murder somebody like that publicly and then have people defend this thing is a, it's a whole um it's a whole level on its own which has existed for a long time yeah i mean you had um a bunch of lawyers lining up to um proudly announcing that they will uh give free defense to the perpetrators of this of this um uh, gruesome um uh, act uh but it it was for me it was actually a lot more shocking uh to his credit i think that the governor of sokoto state um acquitted himself with some grace and some um um decisiveness in declaring a state of emergency and um you know putting a curfew on the city to uh tamp down on what could have been perhaps a much worse outcome aftermath from uh, this uh dastardly act mm-hmm. but i think somebody like um uh atiku abubakar the um would be presidential candidate of the people's democratic party who initially on twitter uh came out with a statement that was admirable that was um uh clear that spoke with moral clarity uh condemning the act and calling for appropriate action prosecution punishment for the perpetrators and um what followed was that a bunch of his uh, followers on twitter began to post things like you just lost 10 million votes you just lost 12 million votes and then atiku came out not only did he retract the statement which was proper moral stance to take on a clear 
uh, instance of moral outrage and evil, uh, not only did he retract that statement, but then he wrote something in Hausa. It was like a hacking. It was like a wink. Uh, what in America they would call a dog whistle. It's like saying to people, hey, um, I didn't mean that. Um, I spoke in error. And then subsequently he issued a statement in English saying that the people who had, I guess, the handlers of his uh, Twitter account um, had not sought his clearance, his permission, before they put out the statement. So it raises the question, did he give them instruction that he needed to see every statement that they put out? Because that statement, in fact, he should thank those who handle his Twitter account. He should thank them for placing him originally, initially, in a position of great moral clarity and 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 in an admirable position. So the fact that he'll um, retreat from what was an imperative position to take and then sort of write something uh, in Hausa as a kind of contrite um, repudiation of himself and then um, subsequently say, oh, you know, I had to remove the, uh, retract the statement because they, uh, it was released without um, consultation with me. So the question is, Mr. Atiku, as I said, you know, and I spoke about this at my last um, uh, uh, reading in Lagos in Nigeria, mm. and I said, what would your statement have been if you'd been consulted? Would you have started arguing uh, on the one hand, uh, perhaps they went too far. On the other hand, perhaps this woman shouldn't have written. How do you even, how do you even waffle? How do you even prevaricate? How do you even, uh, how do you not take a clear position? So, what would Atiku have said? if he'd been consulted. And I think that that's the measure of a man. And I've been, I've been very critical of him since all of this happened in my radio interview uh, in Lagos in my uh, book event. And some people raised an interesting question. And they said to me, why would you attack Atiku, who initially issued a statement condemning this before he retracted the statement, when the other major and minor political presidential aspirants have not deemed it even worthy of a statement. So, yeah, that's something that I hope Nigerians take into account. If you are a Nigerian and you want an enlightened country and somebody is seeking to be president... Yeah. Um, so, so I, I know that um, during my um, recent visit to Nigeria, uh, both in radio interviews as well as uh, my readings, mm -hmm. I was uh, very critical of Atiku's waffling uh, positions mm -hmm. on on what happened in Sokoto. 
um, and but I, a, bunch, a few people, both on radio and uh, at my event, uh, raised an important point, and they said, "You are uh, focusing on Atiku um, for speaking and then retracting a statement, but you have said nothing about the other major and minor presidential can aspirants." Uh, who've kept a studied silence on on what happened, what transpired in Sokoto. And my hope is that Nigerians are paying attention, that every Nigerian who is enlightened, mm-hmm. uh, who wants a country that can be described as human, uh, has taken account of the fact that there are people who pretend, presume to be presidential candidates to, to speak out against this savage event in Sokoto. Yeah, I think, I think anybody saying that other presidential candidates didn't, I think that person was just trying to be disingenuous to the core. Um, I've seen a whole bunch of candidates um, on different media, pl- or maybe, you know, in their own, the media they consume, they didn't see there, which is possible. I give them that. Who knows what they consume? Um, and that's why they should be tuning into the podcast and we, we could tell you a few things if you want. <laughs> but, but, but look, it, yeah, so many people have, have chimed in and they've said, but the, the thing is, um, first things first, you would expect um, leaders from that, those these kind of areas where these kind of things happen to be the ones to react first things first. Uh, and the, the, the only person that reacted so um, morally bankrupt, whatever you want to call it, a man that just, a man that seems to have no soul at the end of the day. I mean, it wasn't even that he took it down. I mean, if you had taken it down and just, it, it, he went the extra length. I mean, it was, it's pretty clear. Let's call it what it is. Um, he told his people, I'm with you. And, you know, if you want to kill the infidels, I'm with you. Vote for me. I'll handle the infidels. Uh, you know, I've done business with them for a long time. I, one of my, some of my, most of most of my wives are from there. By the bottom, just paraphrasing his first wife. I, I know he's um, a do, and his last one. I well, the last one I know about is uh, Onicha, I think. So you know, and then you go on with with all this stuff, um, which is all bizarre. So his own was worst. Without, he takes the cake well, for it. I, I want to be, you know, I'm very critical of Artiku, obviously, but I want to be fair to him, you know. Um, I don't want to ascribe something that's cynical, that he's saying to his people, yeah, if you want to kill the infidels, kill them. But clearly, that's the implication. 100. Clearly. But I think that it's more a case. I think that the first tweet represented Atiku's most visceral take that Atiku, that there was a part of him that was outraged and shocked at this, uh, what I call the savagery in Sokoto, okay? Um, but then the expedient, political, calculating, um, morally puny yeah. Atiku then came bubble to the fore. When people started threatening him with, oh, you're going to... I mean, there, there should be actually situations where uh, a political... And, and I think that ultimately, mm. my, my, my 
my hope, I was going to say my guess, yeah. but my hope is that most practicing Muslims in Nigeria were shocked by what happened and did not approve of it. Probably, if, by, if, by if, numbers. If, if that is not the case, then we are lost. So mm. I'm, I'm going with my hope that most Muslims who saw what happened uh, will say there's no excuse to take human life. That's, that's, that's the position, you yeah. know, as but I said, I'm a Christian. If somebody uttered the most profane statement yeah. about Christ, right? I'm going to be sad, but I'll pray for this person. I'll hope that this person will recognize the, you know, uh, the error in his or her ways. But if anybody were to raise a hand, even to slap the person, I would object. Mm. I would object. I mean, there is, there is no situation where I would approve of somebody fighting for, for God. Physically, you know? physically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the only situation where violence is called for is where somebody hates you either as a Muslim or as a Christian and comes to kill you, then you defend yourself. Yeah. Okay? Uh, if somebody says the most vile things about your, your fate, they are vile, but hopefully you have your eyes on the prize. You have your f eyes on the object of your fate and you focus on it. You know, so you either ask the God that you worship to change, you know, help this person to achieve a change of heart, or if there is punishment to be meted out, to to take care of it. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, you know, talking about Atiku and the other political uh, aspirants, I think that perhaps the most depressing was the federal government's. Um, sort of, um, I don't know how to ex express it now. It, it was a federal government issued a series of statements trying to strike some kind of balance and every statement, every subsequent statement was more inelegant and, and more embarrassing than the one that preceded it. I think Pantami is the um, Pantami is the Minister for Information right now, right? Information. Yeah, Pantami, right? No, no, right? no, no. It's still oh, so our it's man, science Lai, Mohammed, Lai Mohammed. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's still our uh, I mean, Lai Mohammed. I mean, between Pantami as uh, Minister for Inf um, Technology and Pant um, you know, I mean, and Buhari leading, I mean, I, 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 we'll, we'll keep talking about Buhari, but, mm. you know, I think I'm proud that Nigerians voted him in. I'm proud of them. I really am proud of them. At least we can. If there's one thing in my lifetime I can stop hearing about is yes. how this guy was. Yes. Like, nothing in history ever showed that this guy was, is what people claimed he was. Was up to the job uh, at all. Was up to the job. Was um, a morally centered person. Um, in, there was never a time any of these, there was nothing in history has shown, that in real history. Yeah has shown us that this man was any of these things. There was this mythical unicorn called Buhari, you know. 
And now people are even uh, talking about the, the man is not alive and is um, uh, Yakubu for whatever the guy's name is from wherever. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, that was the guy. Yeah. That was the guy you voted in, man. That's yeah. him. That's him. Yeah, don't go to escape this. <laughs> Enjoy that guy, man. So, I mean, what do you expect from somebody like that? Um, it is um, a sad development. It's outrage, even in um, even in some Muslim countries. I, I, I listen to some of their coverage. And they're, you know, Far East Asia. You know, they were like, nah, I mean, this is extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of people were like, yeah, this is extreme. I mean, we, we don't like that, but, you know, I didn't even think, I mean, this is me. I didn't even feel there should be a bot, you know. If, no, there shouldn't be a bot. I don't feel I mean, like that, if she was, at, yeah. if, if, if they had arrested her and there, there, there was not a situation of, you could say a conversation like you said, oh, a situation of, okay, you know, we're going to try and um, practice the rule of law and there's an argument, oh, should it be Islamic law? This mm-hmm. is another different. At least, you know, you cannot start saying, well, she shouldn't have said that, but, you know, let's find a, mm-hmm. let's, let's use it as a teachable moment. You know, you can have that conversation. But they went out to murder this girl in the most gruesome way possible. And mm-hmm. by the way, they filmed themselves. Mm-hmm. And after filming themselves doing it, they went and filmed their faces. Mm-hmm. Them, you know, and then you have all these northern lawyers come out and be on lawyers. I don't even know where yeah. they're from. I'm yeah. guessing most of them are. But you might have a few southern Muslims there. Who knows? And all line up to defend them. And the federal government itself is, you know, and people are, there. there is, I mean, the most prominent northern leaders right now would be the Sultan, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. Um, Buhari, who, even though he's supposed to be the leader of Nigeria, he's more of a sectional Katsina man, by the way. But he's also from the north. Atiku is a prominent face. Mm-hmm. These are prominent faces. Uh, and Emi Okano, for instance, these are prominent faces. People want to um, see what their reaction would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the majority of them, except for these two, Buhari's government, and Atiku just takes the key. Atiku is the king of the... Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's like, you know, um, do we even care about anything like law, process? So that's the whole... We're going to be talking about these conversations about um, the way we see Nigeria. You know, going there, experiences and stuff like that. But it just feels like, you know, um, there's no care about law, there's no care about anything. It was just like everybody drink tea and go to bed and she's dead. Yeah. You know, sadly, mm-hmm. it feels, I feel like, I felt that way, like she's dead, she's dead, go it, to bed. Yeah, that's um, that's a sad thing because in, in a serious country, you'd have the federal government issue a clear focus statement declaring what happened to be... Um, to be incontestably evil, to be unacceptable, and perhaps proposing a series of laws to address a crime of this level of heinousness, all right, um, you would find a groundswell of, of social action from different players in, in society uh, coming together to say we are going to take action to ensure that this sort of thing doesn't happen again. You're going to find uh, Deborah Yakubu's name attached to movements um, 
for religious tolerance, for plurality of, of, of opinion, of, of free expression in our country, for uh, the achievement of a more enlightened society, you know? And, you know, it, it's important that Nigerians understand that a society like China, and a lot of us now go to China for all kinds of reasons, you know, including the goods and services that we consume. China is officially an anti-God, atheistic society. Yep. And yet, it's a highly enlightened society. Um, its economy is booming. Its people are, you know, enjoying a measure of prosperity. And China is on the cusp of perhaps very soon overtaking America. China a, has lifted the yeah. most people yeah. out of poverty, poverty in the history in, in of history mankind. Of, yeah, precisely. And yet what we do is we, we, we muck around with killing people because they allegedly blasphemed. And as I said, there is no but here. What happened was wrong. It was evil. It was, it was gruesome. It was heinous. And every human being should condemn it. And those who don't should be ashamed of themselves. And they, they actually, um, they don't belong. I mean, it, it, the thing is, in a lot of ways, the poetic thing to do, the poetic thing to do is if you, you hear the deity that you worship, okay, insulted, and you can't take the insult, go kill yourself. If you must kill anybody. Yeah, kill yourself and appear before before the God that you serve and say, hey, you know, somebody said something wrong one. and I said, I can't belong to that society where this would be. Uh, you don't take, you yeah. don't have permission to take another human life. I agree. You know? So if, 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 if you say this is a capital moment, this mm -hmm. is a, a moment where somebody must die, let it be you who yeah. dies. Well, okay. Well, well. That being said, um, we got a bunch of um, things coming up, stories, <laughs> Man, for sure. But. All right. Well, we thank you very, very much for joining us on this occasion. As, um, as I said at the beginning, it wasn't going to be a happy conversation, but we hope that um, together, um, that those of us who envision a different kind of society will have the last say. Thank you. Yes. Ah. <sighs>